0: When the council was over, Helm stood up and laid his great hand on Freca's shoulder, saying, The king does not permit brawls in his house, but men are freer outside. And he forced Freca to walk before him out of Ederas into the field. To Freca's men that came up, he said, Be off! We need no harrers. We are going to speak of a private matter alone. Go and talk to my men. And they looked and saw that the king's men and his friends far outnumbered them, and they drew back. "'Now, Dunlending,' said the king, "'you have only Helm to deal with, alone and unarmed, "'but you have said much already, and it is my turn to speak. Frecair, your folly has grown with your belly. "'You talk of a staff! "'If Helm dislikes a crooked staff that is thrust on him, he breaks it. "'So!' With that, he smote Freka such a blow with his fist that he fell back stunned and died soon after. devastating <laughs> it's amazing hey hey there tolkien ears i'm danny j and i'm joel N and we are keep on tolkien. tolkien. welcome back
1: yeah welcome guys
0: episode 64
1: episode 64
0: glad to see you're still around
1: yeah and if this is your first time uh tuning in thanks for tuning in
0: yeah thanks for tuning in hope to earn your subscription
1: yeah 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 um, so, here's a we have a little announcement first off.
0: Yeah, start off with a little uh, to know. So, uh, just uh, letting you guys know, we've got t shirts now available. Don't forget to go check them out. You can go to keep on tolkien podcast.tmil.com. Go check it out.
1: And these are new t shirt designs, um, and we, uh, our friends have. I have made them, and they're pretty fucking cool, so come check them out. And we have complete creative control over designs, too, so if there's something you want to see, let us know. Yeah,
0: new designs to come in the
1: future. But also, today, part two of season five, we are talking all about Rohan.
0: That's right. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Heroes of the Rittermark.
1: Yeah, yeah, fucking finally, yeah!
0: Yeah, buddy, so last episode we went and we talked about some lesser-known battles. So if events aren't your thing, if maybe people are more your thing, this is the episode for you. This is the episode for you, I guess. Yeah, so briefly, uh, when we say hero of the Rittermark, what do we mean? You know, who are we talking about?
1: So today's purpose, when we talk about Rohirrim, we're talking about ancestors of the Rohirrim or... Modern-day Rohirrim, right? Right. Who did or. Yeah, who did notable deeds or feats.
0: Yeah, because uh, we wanted to talk about more than just Rohirrim proper, because there's some pretty awesome ancestors. Oh, sort of yeah, Rohirrim. for sure. So we've got a list for you today of 11 characters, and we'll talk a little bit about their lives, and then we'll briefly talk about why we think they're a hero of the Rittermark.
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, originally, we were going to name this episode Marshals of the Rittermark" because I don't know, it sounds really cool. Seems appropriate. And we were going
1: to cover just originally just the marshals. Yeah,
0: originally we were just going to c- cover the marshals. But yeah, like I said earlier, we wanted to talk about more than just like marshals of Rohan proper. We wanted to talk about a few of the ancestors too. Yeah,
1: because they're badass as well and they yeah. need mentioning.
0: Yeah, and some of the Aothed. Also, as it turns out, there is a uh, Lord of the Rings tabletop strategy game which is trademarked already as marshals of the Mark. So, you know, make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's get right into the list, dog. Who do we got first? This is our friend. We know him already. Marwini, son of Marhari.
0: Yes, one of the lords, one of the early lords the of the The first
1: lord of the Aothade, right? Yes, yeah. sir.
0: So, Marweenie, uh back in Third Age... 1851 is when Ravanyan was invaded by a tribe of Easterlings known as the Wainriders. Uh, the soldiers of the Kingdom of Ravanyan, together with the armies of Gondor, met the Wainriders at the Battle of the Plains in 1856. But it was a complete disaster.
1: Yeah, the king of Gondor, Narmasil II, was killed and Marwini's father, uh, Marhari, died leading the rearguard. And uh, much of the kingdom of Rovani was lost and its people were friggin' enslaved.
0: Yeah, it was pretty pretty terrible all around. But some of the Northmen escaped. It wasn't didn't not everyone died. Uh, Marwini was the leader of one such band of refugees, and they went west.
1: And the refugees, they wandered until they reached the untamed land between the eastern bank of the Anduin and the western edge of Mirkwood.
0: Yeah, so kind of a nice little grassland area between the river and the woods. And settling there in the vales of Anduin, the refugees would become known as the Eothed, the ancestors of the Rohirrim. And in 1899, this is when Marhwini warned Kelimatar that the Wainriders were plotting to raid Kalinardin, coming over the Undeeps. So warning their Gondorian friends.
1: For the first time, right? Mm-hmm. The Undeeps were two westward bends of the river, Anduin located between the Wold and the Brownlands. And they called the North Undeep and the South Undeep, and I assumed with the river shallow there.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, the Undeeps, they basically just had shallows there, Wide, so it was really easy to, for an army to cross. Hell yeah. Yeah, and the Northmen, they also prepare, pr- uh, prepared a revolt against the uh, Wayne Riders who were, had already invaded their land essentially, had, had yep. been occupying <laughs> them.
1: Yeah, it was like straight up insurgents and uh, uprising mm-hmm.
0: going on. Yeah, so Kelimitar from Gondor provoked the Wayne Riders out of Athelion. Then at the peak of the battle, the horsemen. A Kalimitar had sent over the Undeeps arrived, joined by a large Eored led by Marwini himself.
1: And they drove the Wainriders back to the east. We've got an excerpt here. At the battle's height, horsemen that Kal- Kalimitar had sent over the Undeeps, joined with a great Eored led by Marwini, assailed the Wainriders in flank and rear. The victory of Gondor was overwhelming the horsemen of marwini harried the fugitives and inflicted great loss upon them in their long route over the plains until they were within sight of Merkwood. there they left them taunting them fly east not north folk of sauron see the homes you stole are in flames for there was a great smoke going up the revolt planned and assisted by marwini had indeed broken out Desperate outlaws coming out of the forest had roused the slaves, and together had succeeded in burning many of the dwellings of the Wainriders, and their storehouses, and their fortified camps of wagons, but most of them perished in the attempt, for they were all ill-armed. Nonetheless, the alliance of Kalimitar and Marwini had not been in vain. If the strength of the Wainriders of Ravanion had not been broken, that assault would have come sooner and in greater force, and the realm of Gondor might have been destroyed. But the greatest effect of the alliance lay far in the future, which none could then foresee. The two great rides of the Rohirrim to the salvation of Gondor, the coming of Erol to the field of Celebrant, and the horns of King Theoden upon the Pelennor. Yeah,
0: so really just kind of foreshadowing the coming friendship and yes. some of the and multiple times when they would come to the aid of Gondor like at the last minute.
1: Yeah, so these are the first Homies, Kalimitar and Marwini. Those were the first yeah. Gondor and in Ro, uh Rohirrim ancestry.
0: Right. So let's let's touch a little bit why we think Marwini is a hero and we th- consider Marwini a hero because his father died, and he stepped up as a leader and helped relieve the refugees of his people to safer lands in the vales of Anduin, where they were able to flourish.
1: Not just his own people, too, just anybody who wanted Anyone. to come with. Yeah, yeah, other refugees as well. Yeah, everybody who was left over from the war. Also, because of the warning uh, Marwini gave to the king of Gondor, Kalimitar, in, about the Wainriders who were plotting to raid Kalinardin, and the, the help he provided Gondor during the battle.
0: Yeah, had it not been for his help, things would have been a lot worse. And as we mentioned, he also sort of started the friendship between yeah, the, the first link in the chain. Yeah, between the Eothéod and the Gondorians. That that friendship that would last so long. Hell yeah. So that was Marwini. Marwini's great, yeah, a great hero okay. of the of the of the, a of the head We talked about him a little bit last episode as well.
1: Somebody up, up until a few weeks ago had no idea existed. Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about another fairly obscure hero of the Mark.
1: Yeah, this person is actually so obscure.
0: Well, literally obscure, because uh, we're talking about the unnamed leader of the Aethi, who we have lovingly come to call. Uh, Marvin. Marvin.
1: Our friend Marvin, or Marvin, as we like to say. Yeah. We like to anglicize it. Marvin.
0: Marvin. So in The Unfinished Tales... Uh, the chapter Kyrian and Aeorl and the friendship of Gondor and Rohan, we learn about a unnamed leader of the Eothed, a certain character whose name isn't known. And the name of the leader is unknown due to the fact that Christopher Tolkien was literally unable to read his father's horrible handwriting in the <laughs> notes, in, in, in like the notes where he was taking this information from.
1: Yeah, all they got was M-A-H-R, or M-A-R-H. The rest is whatever.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there were a few other like Names earlier, like yeah, Marwini and Marhari. There's a lot of marhs around, so this was another marh name, but it was too illegible. So,
1: and uh, Mar is just the gothic element meaning horse, right? It's like a gothic name for horse,
0: right? Yes, exactly. So, we figured hor- Marwini means horse friend, I believe. Yeah, and so we were thinking, you know, what are common Mar names? Mar, Mar yeah, Marvin. Mm-hmm. Marvin. Marvin. That's a pretty common name. We got Marvin. We're like, that's probably what it was. Had to have been Marvin.
1: Had to have been Marvin.
0: Well, that's what we're going with.
1: So Marvin, the unnamed leader of the AFA, now named Marvin.
0: Marvin. (laughs) (laughs) So Marvin was renowned and he served under Lord Forthwini. And he aided the Gondorians against the Riders in the summer of 1944,
1: of the Third Age. Mm Mm-hmm. They, too, were at war in 1944. (laughs) Yes, sir. During the battle, he rode to the rescue of a party of Eothade as they retreated toward the the Dead Marshes. A soldier died in his arms. After he searched the body, he found out that the dead soldier was Faramir, Prince of Gondor. Yeah, Marvin
0: then went to join Minotaur at the head of the North Road in Athelion And Minotaur was preparing a message to be taken to the prince when he learned the news that
1: the prince had been killed in battle. And also, I just want to take a second. This is not Faramir from The Lord of the Rings.
0: Different Faramir. Different Faramir, guys. Yeah, this is Faramir, prince of the current king of Gondor.
1: King uh, uh, It's Ondaher's son, right? I believe so. Yeah. And we've got an excerpt coming at you.
0: The writing is here almost impossible to decipher, but it seems that Prince Faramir joined the Eothed and was caught with a party of them as they retreated towards the dead marshes. The leader of the Eothed, whose name is indecipherable after the first element, M-A-R-H, came to their rescue, but Faramir died in his arms and it was only when he searched his body that he found tokens that showed that he was the prince. The leader of the Eothade then went to join Minotaur at the head of the north Road, in Athelion who at that very moment was giving an order for the message to be taken to the prince. It was then that the leader of the Eothade gave him the news that the prince had gone, disguised into battle, and had now been slain. The presence of the Eothade and the party, played by their leader, may explain the inclusion in this narrative ostensibly to be an account of the beginnings of the friendship of Gondor and the
1: Rohirrim. Yeah, another example of their early friendships. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so why are they a hero of the Riddermark? What's Marvin? What does Marvin mean to us? He's a hero of the Ridmark because of his courage and determination and rescuing his fellow Aothade and because he went above and beyond to report the death of Prince Faramir, his ally's beloved son.
0: Yeah, so he's he was really a great aide. And just one more example of that friendship.
1: Yeah, which is yeah, so cool.
0: So the next person we have on our list
1: is Frumgar. Frumgar, third lord of the Eothade. Frumgar is uh, sometimes called Fringor in some texts. So
0: just before 1977, the Eothade lived in the middle vales of Anduin between the Karak and the Gladden Fields. And at that time, there were many men living in the vales of Anduin. Also at this time, the shadow of Dol Guldur was lengthening in Mirkwood.
1: But in Third Age, 1975, the evil kingdom of Angmar was destroyed. Frumgar heard of the destruction of Angmar and decided to move the Eothade north for more open lands for them to flourish. Why not?
0: Yeah, and by 1977, Frumgar and the Eothade had driven away all the remaining men of Angmar east of the Misty Mountains.
1: Sick, yeah, so like...
0: just went up there and kind of cleared things out.
1: We uh, heard in the last episode that they had also fought in Fornos, too. Yeah. So they literally cleaned up on both sides of the bounds.
0: Yeah, they were really cleaning th- cleaning shit up. So during their time in the far north, the Eothed and their horses multiplied, and they drove the remaining hillmen and orcs out.
1: We've got an uh, excerpt about this. Many lords and warriors and many fair and valiant women are named in the songs of Rohan that still remember the north. Frumgar, they say... Was the name of the chieftain who led his who led his people to Aethad?
0: So why do we consider Frumgar a hero of the Riddlemark?
1: Yeah, why we consider him a hero of the Riddlemark because of his outstanding leadership.
0: Yeah, he was uh, a great enough leader that they put him into song and remembered him years and years later.
1: Yeah, songs are never made up about bad people, right? <laughs> no. Uh, one example of his great leadership was his decision to lead his people away from the dangers of Gol- doer which was becoming a problem, and into wider open lands for them to flourish.
0: Yeah, also because of his service in ridding the lands of the remaining hillmen and orcs. Clean things up. Yeah. Great leader put into song, Frumgar.
1: Frumgar. So right next on the list is our friend, son of Frumgar, Fram. Fram and fram is pretty badass guys he's fourth lord of the Aothaid. during fram's life the Aothaid lived in northern rovanian near the gray mountains so they're kind of wandering i wonder if they're following the herds up there yeah, i mean it seemed like they settled down in those northern lands
0: but they could be kind of moving around i guess too yeah, yeah.
1: why not the gray mountains were known to be home to uh fucking dragons
0: yeah also coinky dink not good and uh, later in the 2000s of the Third Age, sometime around 2570, this is when the dragons would famously make war with the dwarves of the Grey Mountains, sacking their halls and killing Dane and his second son, Fror. Dragons are just generally to be a known problem in, in this, the Grey Mountains. In this part of the world. In yeah. this part of the world. Dragons are there and they're a problem. Dragons are a
1: problem. Yeah. The age became troubled by a dragon named was known as Scatha the Worm. Skatha the Worm.
0: Yeah. And uh, we found out earlier today that uh, we think the pronunciation is scatha. Skatha, yes. Skatha, which represents a name in the language of the Eothade and is a modernized version of an old English word. I hope I pronounce this right. Skeoda or skeoa? Meaning injurer, enemy, or robber. Yeah, it's also related to the modern English word scathe, like to scathe.
1: Yeah, scathing review.
0: Yeah, so we're, we're fairly certain that it's actually pronounced Skatha, although we've been pronouncing it Skatha
1: for yeah. a very long time. Skatha. Skatha. Skatha the dragon.
0: Which is a pretty cool name.
1: And little is known about Skatha's life except that he possessed a great hoard stolen from the dwarves somehow came to him.
0: Yeah, and in this horde is the famous horn that would become known as the Horn of the Mark.
1: Yeah, Third Age tie-in,
0: right? Yeah. So Fram is famous because Fram slew Skatha the dragon in two in the year two thousand and claimed the hoard of Skatha.
1: Hell yeah! He also earned the hatred of the dwarves of that region, who claimed the treasure, treasure of Skatha, since it was it was treasure that Skatha had stolen from them was theirs. they were trying to lay claim to that. And we got a little excerpt here for you of
0: Fram. They tell that he slew Skatha the dragon of Arid Mithrin and the land had peace from the longworms afterwards thus fram won great renown and wealth but was at feud with the dwarves who claimed the hoard of skatha fram would not yield them a penny and sent to them instead the teeth of skatha made into a necklace saying jewels such as these you will not match in your treasuries for they are hard to come by some say that the dwarves slew fram for this insult there was no great love between the Aeothade and the dwarves.
1: One of my favorite little bits in Tolkien. Just like, send him the teeth of the dragon that you killed. Like, I'm keeping the treasure, guys. Yeah,
0: just, yeah. No, this is mine. You can have these teeth.
1: So, why are they here with the rhythm mark? I think this one's fairly obvious.
0: Yeah, because he slew the goddamn dragon.
1: Also, I want to point out here in this thing, it says, in the, the last excerpt we read, it said they had long peace from the long worms, mm-hmm. which. Implies that there are more of these fucking things. Than like that. there are Skatha. various types of worms. Yeah, and that Scatha is just their leader or whatever.
0: Yeah, he's just one of the long worms. So like, yeah. I Maybe. wonder if the long worms are part of the cold drakes. Maybe they're they don't have any fire.
1: I don't know. I wouldn't want to fuck with them though.
0: We gotta know more about dragons.
1: Dragons.
0: So the next person on our list, and
1: probably one of the most famous, is Aeor the Young. Oh yeah, this is our guy.
0: This is our guy right here.
1: So he was the founder and the first king of Rohan. He was born in third age 2485. And
0: Eorl was the son of Laod, lord of the Eotheid. And in 2501, his father Laod was killed by a wild horse that he was trying to tame. And Eorl was only 16 at the time.
1: Eorl had become lord of the Eotheid at 16, which was why he was known as the young.
0: Yeah, he also kept his bright blonde hair for a really, really long time. Too. Yeah.
1: You know those people that have that blonde hair that just stays that way until they're dead, right? Forever.
0: And Eorl eventually found and confronted the stallion. But rather than slay it, Eorl commanded that the horse give up its freedom and serve him as wereguild for the killing of his father, Laod.
1: And the horse, wouldn't you know it, submitted to And he was renamed Feleroth. Feleroth. And was one of the greatest horses to have ever lived and was said to understand the speech of men. In later years, after the Eoth had
0: migrated south to Rohan, Felaroth would father the race of horses that were
1: nearly as great as him, called the Mieros. We've got an excerpt here. Erol vowed that he would avenge his father. He hunted long for the horse, and at last he caught sight of him, and his companions expected that he would try to come within bowshot and kill him. But when they drew near errol stood up and called in a loud voice come hither mansbane and get a new name to their wonder the horse looked toward errol and came and stood before him and errol said "Felleroff, i name you you loved your freedom and i do not blame you for that but now you owe me a great wereguild and you shall surrender your freedom to me until your life's end then Erol mounted him, and Feleroth submitted. And Erol rode home without bit or bridle, and he rode him in, the, fa- in the, the like fashion ever after. The horse understood all that men said, though he would allow no man but Erol to mount him. And it was upon Feleroth that Erol rode to the field of Calibrant, for that horse proved as long lived as men, and so were his descendants, the Mieras.
0: The Mieras. Mieras. The Miras are an awesome race of horses. Yes, they are. So in 2510, Borendir Uldorof of Gondor sought aid from Errol, reporting that Gondor was under attack by both orcs and Belkoth.
1: And I was just as a little side thing we were talking about earlier. Uldoroth means uh, bridleless because this dude was a descendant of the Northmen. He rides bareback just like Errol the Young. Yeah. So he would have been like, oh, man, who is this dude riding out of the south? Like, old school style. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: got to gain some respect.
1: Yeah, I got some respect.
0: So Gondor alone would have lost the upcoming battle. However, with Errol's aid with the Eothed Riders, they may have a chance at victory.
1: Yeah, and on April 6th, Errol rode forth with an aore or a mounted army army of 7,000 fully armed riders and several hundred mounted mounted archers. Yeah, only a few hundred riders were left
0: behind to guard the women, children, and elderly. He was just pulling out all the stops to help out his friend.
1: These homies need our help. The aore rode southward through the vales of Anduin, a journey of about 500 miles.
0: Yeah, Errol and the Riders arrived at the Field of Calibrand on the morning of April 15th and attacked the enemy from the rear, slaying many and driving the rest across the river limelight. Limlight.
1: Limlight. For his service to Gondor, Errol and his people were granted the land of Calinardin, which became known as the Kingdom of Rohan. Yeah, the gift was granted by Kirion, steward
0: of Gondor, to our friend Erol the Young, And in return for the gift, the people of Rohan would uh, aid Gondor in times of need. And presumably provide
1: them with horses and stuff as well. Oh yeah, all all that shit. The alliance is known as the Oath of Eorl. And we got this really long but fucking beautiful excerpt right here.
0: Then all those present stood a while in silence with bowed heads until Curion said to Eorl, If you are ready, take now your oath in such manner as seems to you fitting according to the custom of your people. Errol then stood forth, and taking his spear from his esquire, he set it upright in the ground. Then he drew his sword and cast it up, shining in the sun, and catching it again, he stepped forward and laid the blade upon the mound, but with his hands still about the hilts. He spoke then in a great voice the oath of Errol, This he said in the tongue of the Eothed, which in the common speech is interpreted. Hear now, all peoples who bow not to the shadow in the east. By the gift of the lord of the Mundberg, we will come to dwell in the land that he names Kalinarden. And therefore I vow in my own name, and on behalf of the Eothed of the north, that between us and the great people of the west there shall be friendship for ever, Their enemies shall be our enemies, their needs shall be our need, and whatsoever evil or threat or assault may come upon them, we will aid them to the utmost end of our strength. This vow shall descend to my heirs, all such as may come after me in our new land, and let them keep it in faith, unbroken, lest the shadow fall upon them and they become accursed. Then Errol sheathed his sword and bowed and went back to his captains, Hirion then made answer, standing to his full height, and laid his hand upon the tomb, and in his right hand held up the white wand of the stewards, and spoke words that filled those who heard them with awe. For as he stood up, the sun went down in flame in the west, and his white robe seemed to be on fire. And after he had vowed that that Gondor should be bound by a like bond of friendship and aid in all need, he lifted up his voice and said in Quenya Vanda sine temorava Eluna neroyo El car enyalien Ar elendil vorondo voronwe Nai teru vantes mahalmasen Mi ar i eru E or ilie mahalma ea teneyu." And again he said in the common speech This oath shall stand in memory of the glory of the land of the star and of the faith of Elendil the faithful and in keeping of those who sit upon the thrones of the west and of the one who is above all thrones forever. Such an oath had not been heard in Middle-earth since Elendil himself had sworn alliance with Gilgalad, king of the Eldar.
1: God, did some fucking epic shit.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard not to include the entire, like, back-and-forth
1: oath-taking. You have to include it all. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. In order to settle into Rohan, Errol Errol built the capital of Rohan in Edoras. In
0: 2545, the Easterlings attacked the Wold, a more remote region of Rohan, and Errol himself was killed. But nevertheless, the Rohirrim achieved victory over the Easterlings and drove them out of Rohan.
1: Errol was buried in Edoras, and his son, Brago, succeeded him as king. And I just want to point out, too, like, the Rohirrim are totally cool going out this way.
0: Yeah, they love going out in battle. That's their thing. Yeah. They're They're like like, like, fucking Vikings. They're like... Yeah.
1: They love... Like, to be killed in battle is a sacred thing to them. Um, Go to Valhalla. Yeah, exactly.
0: So why are they a hero of the Riddermark? Errol the Young. Well, we consider him a hero of the Riddermark for his amazing leadership, especially at such an early age. Apparently, like, when he made that decision at the age of 16 to go to the aid of Gondor, he made it, like, so fast that everyone was, like, in shock at first. They're like, what?
1: Well, he was like, he was a little older than 16. He was it was 25. I think he was, like, oh, 32. But still, he's super fucking young. Yeah, he's a very young leader. And when he was 16 years old, he tamed the Mieras or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very impressive.
1: Very young uh, badass.
0: Uh, Also, he's a hero for his aid at the Field of Celebrant. He was... Oh, hell yeah. He was huge in that battle. He was the hero of that battle. Yeah. And also, of course, for being the first king of Rohan.
1: Badass. But next, guys... Yeah, Ael the Young is pretty key
0: in the history of the Rohirrim. Yeah, and
1: he's pretty you think you think he was badass. He's
0: pretty cool and all.
1: But we got something special for you coming up next.
0: Yeah, so the next character on our list is possibly one of the most badass and brutal characters <laughs> in all of yeah, like, all of Tolkien. Tolkien, like. Yeah, especially Third Age stuff.
1: Oh yeah, and this dude is known as Helm Hammerhand. <laughs> That's right, motherfucker's. And he is badass as fuck. And he lived from—is this reign or uh, uh, this is lived from? 20- that would be uh, his reign. His reign was from twenty-seven forty-one to twenty-seven fifty-nine. Yeah, so he had a. Good oh yeah, way. I hope he wouldn't have died that young. <laughs> <laughs> I am stupid, guys.
0: <laughs> but yeah, anyway, this badass as fuck. Yeah, so he is the ninth king of Rohan and the last king of the original first line. And his rule was plagued by war with the Dunlendings that attempted to usurp his rule of Rohan and take his land.
1: Helm became king at the death of his father, Graham, during the time of crisis. During a time of crisis. His father had already fought open warfare with the Dunlendings, who at the time operated from the captured fortress of Isengard. In 2754,
0: the current leader of the Dunlendings, Freca, boldly rode to Edoras with a force of men... To attempt a meeting with King Helm.
1: Yeah, and Freca began making demands to Helm that Freca's son Wolf, Wolf, should be wedded to Helm's daughter, which would be which would no doubt give Freca and his family power. It's it's, it's a power move. He's trying yeah. So like power grab, land yeah, grab. It's a power grab.
0: So naturally, uh, Helm was not intimidated and saw right through this. And Helm refused and insulted Freca right in front of his men.
1: Humiliated, Frekka flew into an angry rage, nearly starting a fight in the hall.
0: Yeah, Helm ultimately met Frekka face-to-face outside of Edoras in a field. And after insulting him further, Helm struck down Frekka with one blow of his fist and killed him.
1: We're talking a straight-up unarmed strike here, guys. Yeah, like
0: his fist. Just like an enormous fucking punch yeah i want not call it a punch but i feel like a blow is more appropriate yeah given the amount of it's force a, it's got to be a haymaker or it's insane
1: yeah. i don't know how he does it but he does so this is when he's uh known as he becomes known as helm hammer hand after this yeah he's got the hand the hammer hand dude and uh still furious and uh probably putting some ice on the hand helm proclaimed that all of freck kin and the enemies of Ro- are, are still enemies of rohan yeah, and we've got a uh, excerpt here about Helm and Freca. When the council was over, Helm stood up and laid his great hands on Freca's shoulder, saying, The king does not permit brawls in his house, but men are freer outside. And he forced Freca to walk before him out from Edoras and into the field. To Freca's men that came up, he said, Be off. We need no hearers. We are going to speak of a private matter alone. Go and talk to my men. And they looked and saw that the king's men and his friends far outnumbered them, and they drew back. Now, Dunlaning, said the king, you have only Helm to deal with, alone and unarmed. But you have said much already, and it is my turn to speak. Freca, your folly has grown with your belly. You talk of a staff. If if Helm dislikes a crooked staff that is thrust upon him, he breaks it. So... And with that, he smote Freca such a blow with his fist that he fell back stunned and died soon after. Helm then proclaimed Freca's son and near kin the king's enemies, and they fled at once, and Helm sent many men riding to the west marches. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it yeah. to that, dude. Hell yeah, dude. Crack up a nabuski to that. Yeah, that was one of the craziest things that I had never heard of until we started these episodes. Yeah, Helm
0: Hammerhand is a motherfucker. He is brutal, and he continues and gets more We're not
1: even done. This is just like, welcome to the world of of Helm Hammerhand. If
0: anyone is curious, I I think I mentioned this last episode, but the coming movie, anime movie coming out, uh, The War of the Rohirrim, is supposed to take place around the reign of king helm so we're pretty sure it's going to cover these events
1: which is so fucking cool.
0: and it's going to be gnarly so get excited get hype get hype so four years later in 2754 of the third age at the time when gondor could not help the rohirim because they were currently held up with their own affairs this is when freka's son wolf leads an army to rohan and successfully takes its capital of edoras Essentially in, uh, essentially in retaliation for the death of his father.
1: And it, yeah, he, he took Edoras successfully. Helm fled to the mountains for shelter of South... Uh, for the shelter of Southburg, later known as Hornburg or Helm's Deep. Did I say that right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Southburg or Soothburg? I'm not really sure, actually.
1: But yeah, mostly referred to as Hornburg or Helm's Deep after. After what's about to happen. Yeah, so unfortunately, <laughs> Helm and what was left of his people were
0: forced to flee to the shelter of the Hornburg. And that year, a long, terrible winter also just so happened to fall on uh, Middle Earth, which affected both sides
1: of this battle. It fucked everybody. Yeah, it
0: was rough. This was the long winter.
1: Yeah, the long winter was an extremely cold and long-lasting winter covering Eridor, Dunland, and Rohan. From November TA 2758 to March of 2759, it's five months, Which we pointed out is shorter than a Minnesota winter.
0: Yes, yes, it's (laughs) true. No, it's about the size. It is is true. It is technically (laughs) around the same month as or maybe a little shorter than a Minnesota winter. It's true. Yeah. Although this was supposed to be particularly cold and horrible.
1: November to March, that's pretty pretty standard for Minnesota. It's going to be cold from November to March. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: But hey, we'll probably talk more about the long winter in a future episode. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, cuz
1: there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on in like the Shire and yeah, all this that we want to talk about. It's
0: a major event, so yeah. it won't be this run, but keep keep your keep uh, keep, keep tuned because that'll ears. that'll be coming. Keep your ears peeled.
1: Keep your ears peeled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so in the Hornburg, <laughs> Helm and his loyal remnant over here endured a never-ending siege all throughout this long winter. And during this time, Helm and his people mounted small counterattacks.
1: Yeah, and often, often Helm would go out into the night alone and sneak into Dunlending camps and kill men with his bare hands. Fucking brute, dude. Yeah, we don't know if this guy's a strangler like, or you could uh, you could command someone like delegate that ca- that task yeah. to someone. You're a king, but he just wants to do no, it he himself. Just want, he's, he's having fun. Yeah, like, I don't know if he... I think he's a bludgeoner guy. I think he's got to use brass knucks. He's got to use brass nuckies. But here we got a uh, another insane excerpt for you. Helm was driven back with great loss from
0: the crossing of Eisen and took refuge in the Hornburg and the ravine behind, which was after known as Helm's Deep. There he was besieged. Soon after, the long winter began, and Rohan lay under snow for nearly five months, November to March, and both the Rohirrim and their foes suffered grievously in the cold and in the dearth and the last that lasted longer. Helm grew fierce and gaunt for famine and grief, and the dread of him alone was worth many men in the defense of the burg. He would go out by himself, clad in white, and stalk like a snow troll into the camps of his enemies, and slay many men with his hands. It was believed that if he bore no weapon, no weapon would bite on him. The Dunlanding said that if he could find no food, he ate men, and that tale lasted long in Dunland.
1: What the fuck, yo? If he found no food, he ate men.
0: Yeah, dude, the Helm was fucking gnarly, and his enemies (laughs) had like horror stories and tales about him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, holy shit, dude. He would sneak into their camps.
0: The king that was so brutal, he himself alone would sneak into camps and yeah.
1: slaughter people at night. Like We were talking about earlier, he kind of reminds me, he's got the fighting style of uh, Tulkas. Yeah. Never bearing a weapon. No, he just uses bare fucking hands. Just dude. hands, just, just to open up a can of whoop-ass. This is bare hands. But unfortunately, in time, his sons and all his followers either died in battle, or died from cold, or starved to death, straight up. Yeah, the
0: ultimately, even though Helm did some pretty
1: badass shit while they were stuck
0: in the Hornburg, uh, that all ended up terribly. They all ended up dying. It was quite a sad end.
1: Yeah. And Helm's body was discovered the next morning, frozen in the snow, still standing, his eyes open, ready to fight. I imagine he just had like
0: the Irish fist still up yeah, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Fucking what the fuck, man. <laughs> this guy was psych- psychotic. Yeah, this led to a belief among the Rohirrim and the Dunlindings that even in death, the ghost of Helm Hammerhand still wandered through Rohan and defended the Hornburg. And I mean, after all that shit, I I I believe it too.
1: <laughs> I think it would be funny if if he unthawed like after a few months. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> if He just thought out just and, like, and also he's like, ah, ah, we're ready. Where are the Dunlindings? <laughs> I, I must have I must have dozed off for a second. Must have <laughs> dozed off. <laughs>
0: (laughs) But ultimately, yes, Helm died in 2759 at the age of 68. That's about my dad's age, actually.
1: Yeah, and we were talking about if Joel's dad, Paul, could go out and fucking just do that that in the camps. My dad's
0: like a gray-haired, you know, senior citizen almost now. Like (laughs) He's getting up there. I can't imagine him going out and just brawling in the middle of the winter (laughs) nights, killing people with his bare hands. This guy had to have been a fucking beefcake. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 68 is, uh, yeah. He,
0: he was in good health. Yeah, good health, <laughs> this guy. So, why is Helm a hero of the Redemarks? Oh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, just because of all the shit we just told you. Uh, he's <laughs> he's, he's, he's fucking crazy. He's, he's badass as fuck. Uh, he defended his daughter from having to marry, uh, Wolf, who, ugh, you know. Gross. And uh yeah, he killed people with his bare hands. I don't know if you if you caught that. I don't know if we mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, pretty crazy. He's a pretty crazy yeah. guy. Pretty crazy dude.
0: Yeah, so that that's what we've got for you on Helm Hammer Hand, guys. And like we said, keep an eye out for that coming anime, the War Throw oh, Hero. Yeah. That's gonna be
1: awesome. Awesome, awesome. Who do we got next? Next on our list we've got Freyloff
0: Hildeson.
1: Freyloff Hildeson. And he was the son of Helm Hammerhand's sister, Hild, hence the name Hildeson, of making him uh, Helm's nephew. Yes. So when Rohan was
0: invaded in 2758, like we just previously talked with Helm, uh, invaded by the Dunlendings, led by Wolf, uh, Frelof was actually among the Rohirrim who they didn't flee to Helm's Deep. Instead, they fled to the refuge of the Dunharrow. Oh, the oh. You know, the entryway into the paths of the dead? Mm-hmm. And from there... In Dunharrow, this is where Freyloff planned an attack to regain Edoras from Wolf.
1: And when the long winter ended, Freyloff and the surviving Rohirrim made their move, and they came down from safety of Dunharrow with a small force of men and regained Edoras. And Freyloff personally killed
0: Wolf. And uh, with the aid... Of the forces of Gondor, uh, the Rohirrim were eventually able to drive the Dunlundings back across the river Isen and out of their land. Hell yeah. We got a uh, excerpt here.
1: Soon after the winter broke, Faelerof, son of Hild, Helm's sister, came down out of Dunharrow, to which many had fled. And with a small company of desperate men, the surprised, they surprised Wolf in Medeseld and slew him, regaining Edoras. There were great floods after the snows, and the vales of Entwash became a vast fen. The eastern invaders perished or withdrew, and there came help at last from Gondor, by the roads both east and west of the mountains. Before the year 2759 was ended, the Dunlendings were driven out, even from Isengard, and then Freilof became king. King, long live the king.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. King Freiloth sweeping down save the day retaking Edoras I
1: love that Gondor just shows up at the last second yeah and just fucking just delivers him a one two punch from east and west just fucking
0: boom boom. yeah because at this point uh, Gondor was now freed up from uh, whatever was holding them down at the time Corsairs or whatever the fuck whatever yeah they were also constantly being attacked just like Rohan is constantly being attacked it's just always something Yeah, so, you know, Freyloff is great, comes and saves Edoras, but unfortunately at this time, as we know from just talking about uh, Helm Hammerhand, the king Helm at that time was already dead. He wasn't in time to save the king in the Hornburg or the king's sons who were also killed in the Hornburg. So this is when Freyloff actually goes and retrieves Helm's body from back in the Hornburg and buries it. In the ninth mound of the kings of Rohan, on the barrow field, you know, out front of Edoras, Mm -hmm. where the Simbelune grows.
1: Simbelmean, right?
0: Simbelmean. Simbelmean, I think you say. Simbelmean. It's it's hard to pronounce. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, Freeleth became the king's heir, and in that same year, he was crowned and became the first king of the second line. Hell yeah, he did. This is some wild shit that I didn't know. Fun fact here. Yeah, a uh, little fun fact. Aside side note, uh,
0: at Freyloff's coronation is when the wizard Saruman suddenly appears after being gone for a long time, and he offers his support and friendship all of a sudden to Freyloff. No,
1: this is this is when he shows up for the first time. Is this the first time? This is like he just got to Middle Earth and was like, did probably some wandering, but now he's like, I'm going to post up in this tower.
0: Yeah, he shows up and he asks to be friends with Freyloff and. Freyloff obviously accepts, as Rohan is still recovering from the long winter and war, and he, he's looking for friends.
1: Yeah, and on Freyloff's advice, Baron (not the Baron you're thinking of, steward of Gondor) lent Saruman the key to Orthanc, giving him Isengard to dwell in on the condition that he must protect it from another conquest by Dunlending, which he did. Yeah, he. Well, until he let him in.
0: Uh, I suppose until he hired the Dunlendings to. <laughs> Dick. It was never conquered by Dunlendings, but yeah, he uh, used it for his own nefarious means. Yeah, so a little fun fact: this is that's when Saruman comes into the equation.
1: Yeah, I did not know that.
0: So why is uh, Freyloff a hero of the Wittermark?
1: Um, for his liberation of Eddores, that's one. What a cool thing to do to get your capital back, right? Mm. And uh, for the retrieval and ceremonious burying of King Helm, that's pretty sweet too. Yeah, King Helm was
0: one hell of a king. You'd probably want to get him back and get him buried back in the old graveyard, you know, wherever. Hell yeah, back dude. at home.
1: Back at home.
0: Yeah. So Freyloff, a wonderful hero of the Wittermark.
1: Yeah. So next we got kind of a uh, some some like a speed round here kind yeah, of yeah a couple honorable mentions a couple honorable mentions yeah so uh, first
0: and they're honorable. all honorable for a reason yeah there's a reason that we're not going to go into them it, yeah. uh, first of the honorable mentions is King Theoden Ednu. And uh, we're not going to go into him much because we're going to talk to him, uh, talk about him in our coming episode 66, uh, King Theoden character profile. So stay tuned for that. Yeah.
1: And if you're wondering, 2980 to 3019 is when his reign was. I know there's some people out there that really want to hear the reigns.
0: Some people really want the numbers. Yeah. And the numbers are there. Yeah. And he's a ridder, uh, <laughs> hero of the mark, just essentially because he's the best. Uh, King Theoden is one of the best kings yes. uh, or best one of characters. the best leaders Around, Yeah, Yeah, he's great. Like, I know all the super heroic, memorable leaders are, like, kings of, you know, Dunedain or Númenor, but honestly. This is
1: a middleman of great worth, this dude.
0: Exactly, yeah. This guy comes from humble beginnings, and he is one of the best kings around.
1: A good friend to have. One of the best. And what is the main theme running throughout fucking Lord of the Rings? Friendship. Friendship is magic. Friendship is magic. Yeah.
0: Friendship and camaraderie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so our next honorable mention,
1: uh, also uh, Aelmer Aedig, which uh, he is thirty nineteen to fourth age sixty three. And why aren't we going to cover this cat? Why you ask? Because episode sixty seven is an Aelmer character profile. That's Right, we're going to talk all about it. But just uh yeah why are they why are they, why is why is Aomer a hero of the mark?
0: Well, he is a hero for a handful of reasons. Uh one for being his defense of the Gate of the Hornburg with Aragorn uh and a small band of men. That yes. was when the the orcs started like trying to bust through the gate and they like hopped out through a side door and pushed him off for a bit.
1: Yeah. And uh for also defending the refugees in the Glittering Caves with Gimli toward the end of the battle.
0: Hell yeah, he was just always fucking Holding, holding them off while he could, when it needed to happen.
1: And for his help rallying 10,000 men for the Battle of Pelennor Fields? 10,000! 10, 10,000, yeah, dude. He was out running around getting men
0: along with King Theoden. He'd pull, he pulled a lot of strings for that. Mm-hmm. Also, just for being a wonderful king. As we know, Aomer becomes king after Theoden dies, and he gains the name Aomer Eddig, which means the blessed, because during his reign Rohan recovered from the War of the Ring and became a rich and fruitful country again.
1: Yeah, and he didn't he marry he went on to marry uh Imrahil's daughter, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Mhm. Kinda intertwining Gondor and Rohan again.
0: The friendship is strong, man. Yeah. The friendship is strong. Uh so our third and last honorable mention, we have to Can't mention this yeah, this would be remiss not to mention Eowyn, shield maiden of Rohan.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you want to hear everything about her, go to episode 45, the Eowyn character profile.
0: And why is she a hero of the Riddle Mark
1: well, uh, first off, for not allowing the patriarchy to dictate her life. Yeah, she does. Him. What, yeah, fuck him. She does what she wants to do.
0: Yeah, she does the Dernhelm shit and, and get what, it done.
1: What's the other thing she does, Joel? Do? I can't remember. I oh, always forget. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, it's a, just this little minor thing. She uh, stabs the witch king in the fucking face. That's what it was. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. In the fucking face. In yeah. the face with a, with a fucking sword that explodes.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's cool. It's cool, yeah. So that's, yeah, what well, goes without saying, Eowyn's one of the greatest, if not. Yeah, she's up there.
0: She is like the definition of a fucking hero. Like
1: Helm, Eowyn. Yeah, dude. Right yeah. there.
0: Right there. I mean, Helm never killed the fucking Witch King of Angmar. That's so true.
1: I, Maybe, he, And he couldn't have. No, <laughs> no. According no, to the Glorfindel's prophecy. So. That's true. I suppose it was yeah. Eowyn with the help of Mary,
0: been. but still, yeah. It had to have been. Oh, yeah, because there was no man. Oh, no man. No man can kill. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Eowyn, wonderful. Superhero.
1: Superhero. So Uh, let's get into our next, uh, this one we got a bunch of information. So we got two
0: more heroes on our list. Uh, Our next one is Erkenbrand.
1: Erkenbrand of the Westfold, right?
0: Yes, and he is fucking dope, you guys. Erkenbrand is awesome.
1: He was a warrior of great renown and a mighty leader. He was known for the horn and red shield that he brought into every battle.
0: Yeah, and in his early years, Erkenbrand was a skilled and courageous knight serving as an officer of the king's riders. And by the time of the War of the Ring, Erkenbrand had already retired from service with Theoden and was the lord of the Hun of the Hornburg in Westfold.
1: Yeah, so he's kinda of holding down the fortress in peacetime, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Erkenbrand is credited with strengthening the defenses of the Hornburg. Here's a little excerpt.
0: There in the Hornburg at Helm's Gate, Erkenbrand, a master of the Westfold on the borders of the Mark, now dwelt. As the days darkened with the threat of war, being wise, he had repaired the wall and made it, made the fastness strong.
1: Yeah, so he was doing some upgrading. Yeah,
0: keeping those walls ready. And uh, Erkenbrand was in the Hornburg during the first Battle of the Fords of Eisen, so he wasn't quite there for that. But when the king, when uh, the king's son Theodred was killed on February 25th in, the, in that battle, this is when Erkenbrand assumes command of the Westfold. The second he hears, he's like, "All right, that's uh, me. I know what I got to do."
1: Um, he sent uh, he sent word for backup in the the first Battle of the Fords of Eisen, but Grima actually delayed the message.
0: Yeah, fucking Grima Wormtongue, so, that slithery bitch.
1: Could have had him but a bigger chance at the Fords, if not for Grima. Not for fucking Grima. I wonder if we'll hear uh, any more about Grima and maybe yeah, next week's know, episode.
0: Yeah, you know, you might want to stay tuned next week. <laughs> We're going to hear all about the fucking worm. The worm That tongue. is Grima next week, episode 56.
1: Stay tuned, folks. We've got a uh, excerpt here. Erkenbrand of the Westfold, assumed command of the Westmark when the news of the fall of Theodrid reached him in the Hornburg on the next day. He sent Aaron Riders to Edoras to announce this and to bear to Theodin, Theodin his son's last words, adding his own prayer that Eomer should be sent at once with all help that could be spared. Let the defense of Edoras be made here in the west, he said, and not wait till it is, in its, it is itself besieged. But Grima used the curtness of this advice to further his policy of delay. It was not until his defeat by Gandalf that, the action, that any action was taken. The reinforcements with Aomer and the king himself set out in the afternoon of March 2nd. But that night, the second battle of the Fords was fought and lost, and the invasion of Rohan began. Yeah,
0: so just missed it a little bit.
1: There's a freaking Grima. It's a fucking Grima
0: worm tongue, that We're going to do him good next week. Oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to tell you all about that piece of shit next week. So, Erkenbrand eventually tried to ride back to the Fords of Eisen to take part in the second battle of the Fords with Elfhelm and Grimbold who were there. Yeah. He had rallied a thousand riders in preparation for the battle, but on March 2nd, Saruman's forces run into him first, essentially, and they drive him off east away from the battle. And that's where he just happens to meet. Gandalf. Gandalf. This comes across Gandalf out in the fields,
1: and Gandalf told him to make haste to the Hornburg to meet Théoden and help him defend the over, defeat the overwhelming forces of Saruman. And Erkenbrand's forces arrived on March fourth to turn the tides of the Battle of Helm's Deep, and they fought relentlessly until the battle was won. And here is an excerpt about that.
0: There, suddenly upon a ridge, appeared a rider clad in white, shining in the sun in the rising sun. Over the low hills the horns were sounding. Behind him, hastening down the long slopes, were a thousand men on foot. Their swords were in their hands. Amid them strode a man, tall and strong. His shield was red. As he came to the valley's brink, he set to his lips a great black horn and blew a ringing blast. Erkenbrand! the riders shouted. Erkenbrand! The hosts of Isengard roared, swaying this way and that, turning from fear to fear. Again the horn sounded from the tower, down through the breach of the dyke, charged the king's company. Down from the hills leaped Erkenbrand, lord of Westfold. The wild men fell on their faces before him. The orcs reeled and screamed and cast aside both sword and spear. Like a black smoke driven by a mounting wind, they fled. Wailing, they passed under the waiting shadow of the trees." And from that shadow, none ever came again.
1: What did the trees do to them?
0: Dude, I I still, the trees are one of the most terrifying things. What did
1: did the trees do to them, man?
0: Not only did they never come back, but the bodies were never never recovered. (laughs) The bodies were never found. The trees left and there were no bodies. (laughs) Where did they go? It's terrifying,
1: dude. Yeah, terrifying. What did those trees do with them bodies? So, later that month, uh, many Rohirrim rode to the aid of Gondor in the Battle of Pelennor Fields, as you might be aware of. So, our man Erkenbrand, he wasn't at the Battle
0: of Pelennor Fields because he had stayed behind during the battle to guard Edoras while the king was away. Everyone trusted Erkenbrand.
1: And when Eomer became King of the Mark after the War of the Ring, Erkenbrand was named Marshal of the West Mark.
0: Yeah, some yeah. recognition.
1: So, why uh, why, is he a hero of the Riddimark? So we consider
0: Erkenbrand a hero for his service to Rohan during the War of the Ring, particularly when he assumed leadership of the Westfold after the death of Prince Theodred.
1: And this dude was retired. He was retired. He was retired. Yeah, and he
0: was just He'd seen enough out. of
1: war, you know. Also
0: for his heroics in aiding Gandalf in the Battle of Helm's Deep, that was pretty gnarly,
1: and holding down Edoras while the king was away at the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Get yeah, shit.
0: he's just everyone's support man. Like you need the, you need added support. He's the fucking guy. He'll do whatever you need. You need an extra like flanking attack on foot? I got you. You need, I got me, to, you. need me to hold down home base while you're away at the Pelinor? I got you. You got you. Erkenbrand's your man.
1: Erkenbrand is the man with the plan. <laughs> so hell yeah. That's
0: that's what we got for you about Erkenbrand, the man with the plan.
1: So we got next.
0: So last hero we've got for you on our list today. Is the one and only Elfhelm.
1: One of our favorite guys. He is amazing, you guys. He's the commander of the garrison of Edoras from Third Age 3012 to Third Age 3019.
0: And after the War of the Ring, he was named Marshal of the Eastmark. Got a good title
1: out of it. And uh, most of the cool shit we hear about Elfhelm is in the main story of the Lord of the Rings. But he is mentioned as one of the heroes of the Battle of the Fords of Aizen. Which, uh, if you want to hear more about that in depth... In depth. Go to uh, last week's episode, Lesser Known Battles, Rohirrim edition. Yeah, episode 63. Go check it out. But a lot
0: of this battle, most of it, in fact, is found in the Unfinished Tales. And these battles, the Fords of Isen, the first and second battle, they take place on February 25th and March 2nd of 3019, respectively.
1: And this is the first big clash between Saruman's forces from Isengard and the Rohirrim directly.
0: Yeah, we're not going to get too much into that battle because we already covered it. But we're going to kind of cover, uh, you know, Elfhelm's part throughout all this. We're going right. to highlight some stuff. Right, right. So Sauron's first move in the War of the Ring was to destroy Rohan's ability to defend itself. Excuse me, Saruman's first move. Right,
1: right. Right, right.
0: Sauruman the White. And so Saruman prioritized destroying
1: Theodrid first. And Theodrid uh, had retreated uh, to the fords of Aizen, but a force was now attacking from the east bank from the north.
0: Yeah, so Saruman had essentially built a bridge further upstream in secret to allow an army to cross the river to the other side without anyone anticipating it for a surprise flank. And
1: now at this point, Theodrid is surrounded and ends up killed. Killed. Grimbold and the remaining uh, Rohirrim are now surrounded, and they are totally fucked. But at this moment... At the rising sun, riding out of the east comes
0: Elfhelm.
1: Yeah, 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 and he's leading four companies of cal- cavalry. The rising sun at their backs means, makes it seem like it's a much larger house than it is, and the orcs and the Dun- Dunlendings run in terror.
0: Yeah, all those who stood their ground were killed.
1: All of them. So you either run or you die. And we have an excerpt here about this. It was the turn of the Isengarders, to be surprised. They heard the thunder of hooves and saw coming like black shadows against the darkening east, a great host, as it seemed, with Elfhelm at its head, and beside him a white standard borne as a guide to those that followed. Few stood their ground, most fled northwards, pursued by two of Elfhelm's companies. The axemen were now caught between the surviving defenders and the onslaught of Elfhelm, with both banks still held by the Rohirrim. They fought on, but before the end were slain to a man, Elfhelm himself, however, sprang up toward the knoll, and there he found Grimbold fighting two great axemen for possession of Theodred's body. One Elfhelm at once slew, and the other fell before Grimbold. A harsh horn sounded, and then all was silent. The attack on the West Bank had ceased, and the enemy there faded away into the dark. The Rohirrim held the Fords of Isen. Yeah, buddy. Great loss, but they held it. Yeah. So the coming... Of
0: Elfhelm, you know, riding with the sun behind him, and uh, you know that cavalry riding down, and the sun, you know, making them terrified. It probably reminds a lot of people of the movie when the Battle of Helm's Deep yeah, happens. Yeah, with uh, Aimer and the riders, and they definitely uh, pulled I th- this I think from they that. that from they the definitely pulled that from this instance because, as mm-hmm. we just read earlier, uh, when we were talking about Erkenbrand, uh the Battle of the Hornburg, when that happened, that was actually a bunch of men on foot. What? With one guy on a horse, Gandalf. And so they kind of combined that with this event just to make the Battle of Helm's Deep way more epic. Yeah. And I mean, that was pretty epic. Having it the whole worked. sunrise <laughs> yeah. and all the people on horseback. Yeah. yeah.
1: It worked. It worked. It worked. So the second battle, there's not a whole hell of a lot on because it's kind of short, sweet, and decisive. Yeah. And
0: Elf Helm doesn't really do a hell of a lot.
1: He doesn't do a whole lot anyway. He's uh, run off by war riders and barely escapes east.
0: Yeah, so at that, we'll kind of jump into Elfhelm's role in the War of the Ring. Uh, So Elfhelm was holding down Edoras during the Battle of the Hornburg, Mm -hmm. and he was key in the ride of the Rohirrim that saved the day at the Pelennor Fields.
1: Yeah, he was a key advisor in uh, uh, the approach to Minas Tirith, because he was one of the only captains of the Rohirrim that had actually been to Minas Tirith in peacetime. And this leads me to say, all right, all right, all right, there's something more to Elfhelm that we don't know. This dude has been to Minas Tirith, which is kinda weird, mm-hmm. right? His name is Elfhelm, which I assume he gets the name from it never explicitly says why they call him Elfhelm, but I assume it's because he wears an Elven helmet. So like where'd this guy get this cool gear and he's been to Gondor and stuff? Like Yeah, he seems to have
0: some Elvish stuff and he's been around, he's, he's been, been to around. Gondor. Yeah. Yeah, he and he's a hell of a hero too. Like hell he's, of a tactical he, he seems guy. very capable.
1: Yeah. He was right at the fords of uh, Aizen. They should have abandoned the fords. Yeah, he was right. Grimbold was He was totally right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so he was also, uh, during the Battle of Pelennor Fields, he was the leader of a group of riders at Theoden's right, and they were in charge of bringing down the siege engines and driving the enemy into the pits of fire around the walls of Minas Tirith.
1: They got to have fun. Yeah, so
0: they had some fucking fun. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it was Elfhelm's company that, and it was also Elfhelm's company that Mary and Durnhelm rode to war. Elfhelm actually knows about both of them, which is uh, our favorite thing about Elfhelm ever. And we got an excerpt about this, uh, this shit here, this fun little shit.
0: There seemed to be some understanding between Durnhelm and Elfhelm, the marshal who commanded the air in which they were riding. He and all of his men ignored Mary and pretended not to hear if he spoke. He might have been just another bag Dernhelm was carrying.
1: And at one point when they're uh, camping, Mary is lying down in the dark, and Elfhelm trips over him and curses tree roots. Yeah,
0: and at this point, Mary directly addresses Elfhelm, which was a little little risky move, and he asks him uh, some questions. They have a short conversation. We've got an
1: excerpt about that. A tall figure loomed up and stumbled over him, cursing the tree roots. He recognized the voice of Elfhelm, the marshal. I am not a tree root, sir, he said, nor a bag, but a bruised hobbit. At least you can do in amends as tell me what is afoot. Anything that can keep so in this devil's murk, answered Elfhelm. But my lord sends word that we may set ourselves in readiness. Order may come for a sudden move. Yeah, Keeping him in the loop, which is pretty nice of him. Pretty nice of him.
0: While not blowing his cover. Yeah. So after the Battle of Pelennor Fields... Elfhelm was put in charge of all of Rohan's forces in Minas Tirith, and he held down the fort while the captains of the West marched to the Black Gates.
1: In their eventual suicide... Which, yeah, mean, which they assumed was a suicide. <laughs> which uh also means that they trusted Elfhelm enough to have the last stand. Yeah,
0: dude.
1: <laughs> like they're like, because if our shit fails, you're it, buddy.
0: Yeah, they were like, El- who who are we gonna leave not only in charge of fucking Minas Tirith, but the last stand of the free, of, of men, the of the the free men of the West? The uh, free men of the West. Elfhelm, you yeah, got
1: this. You got it, Elf. You got
0: it, bro. So they put a lot of trust in Elfhelm, and he is a motherfucker, which also kind of adds to your point earlier. What was it about this guy that made him so useful and just, like, such a great leader that they were like, yeah, you got this? Yeah. he's Elfhelm's amazing.
1: Elfhelm's dope. After the war, Elfhelm is present for the coronation of King Elisar.
0: Yeah, which is a pretty pretty fun moment, and he is named Marshal of the Eastmark by
1: King Eomer at this event. So why, why are they a hero of the Riddamark? Well, let's be honest, he's got the coolest name of any of the marshals. Elfhelm. Elfhelm. Pretty cool. Dope. Uh,
0: he also aids in some dope battles that we don't hear about in the main story.
1: But also, at the same time, he's not afraid to post up when needed. Edorus during the Hornburg Minas Tirith during the March on the Black Eight, which we said is them saying, hey, you're the last stand against yeah. the evils of Mordor.
0: They knew he was reliable, because he is. He's Elfhelm, motherfucker.
1: Yeah, and he knows about Marion Dernhelm, which is hilarious. Yeah, is and he great. keeps that
0: on the DL as well.
1: Yeah. Which technically defies the King orders the King's Order. Yeah. But totally turns the tide of the battle and forever alters the history of Middle Earth.
0: Yeah, and I mean just keeping their little like secret, just kinda makes him the coolest dude ever.
1: Yeah. Just going Agreed.
0: With it. But that he's the last one we've got on our list for you today, guys, of heroes of the Rittermark. Yeah. So a couple of final thoughts basically. Uh there are many heroes among the Rohirrim more than we
1: thought. And the Rohirrim, let's be honest. They fucking rule. They're they, really they are. cool. They are they fucking rule. They're just the best. I didn't know how dope they were until we started like in-depth studying them. Yeah,
0: and they they are very heroic people and they have many heroes among them. And like we yeah. said earlier their whole like history is just based on war and survival. So like yep. this that's going to breed a few heroes.
1: Yep, sure is.
0: But uh, otherwise guys get ready for more Rohan.
1: Yeah, 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 with a little kind of, it's a little turn in a different direction here. We're going to be doing some, uh, a Rohirrim person that's an asshole. Yeah, next. Next week. Next week. And that's Grima Wormtongue.
0: Yeah, guys, tune in next week, episode 65, for our Grima Wormtongue character profile. Coming your way.
1: Gross. (laughs)
0: Gross. That's all we've got for you today, folks. Thanks again for listening to KOT Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Go to your subscriber and go forward slash keep on Tolkien. Stay up to date with all the new episodes and you know, feel free to rate us and uh, give us a review while you're there.
1: And again, don't forget to check out our new merch store. That's keep on tolkien com, and that's T-E-E-M-I-L-L.com.
0: And don't forget to follow us on social media. Join us on Discord. We are very active. Yes, uh, our server name is Keep On Tolkien Podcast. But we will go ahead and post an invite in the description of the video and on our social media. Go check it out.
1: Go check it out. Follow us on Twitter at Kot Podcast. If you want to follow me, uh, I am Danny J Kot, and with the at symbol in front. <laughs> follow us on facebook at www.facebook.com slash official keep on talking
0: while you are there don't forget to join the kot talk group just to uh you know hang out with us and share some fun memes and discuss with the members of the community and if you're an instagram person go ahead and follow us on instagram at keep on talking podcast And we just want to throw out a big thank you again to our patrons. We wouldn't be able to do any of this without you.
1: You are heroes. This the heroes. You're a hero of the Riddimark. How about that? You're a
0: hero of of Kot. Yeah. You're a hero of Tolkien. (laughs) Really? That's what you are. That's what you are. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have been able to do this whole last run. Um, If you'd like to subscribe to the Patreon to help us out, go ahead and check us out. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash KOT podcast because KOT is still a DIY podcast. It does still come out of pocket, although your donations really help subsidize our costs.
1: Yeah, and that's just to help bring you the uh, great new content with the same level of quality. And you can also unlock some fun stuff on Patreon. Some exclusive content. Yeah, more content coming your way. And uh, there's a a few people have been hitting us up about uh, private donations doing a one-time private donation if patreon really isn't your speed uh just shoot us an email or a message on social media and we can make that happen uh we have paypal and other services so let's make it happen captain
0: yeah well that's all we've got for you today guys thanks again for listening i'm danny j and i am joel n and we are keep Keep on
1: talking talking. fuck yeah that was good shit dude